You know, one of the great things about vision is that it's not just vision of what God's doing in His church, but it's also what He wants to do with us. I used to lead a church in Melbourne, Australia, and I would tell people, you don't lay down your vision for my vision. Because when Jesus called me to lead His church, I laid down my vision for His vision. So we all lay down our vision for His So this vision is not just something Mark's come up with. He's actually sharing Jesus' vision for the church. And so I'm excited to to be able to do part of that this evening. I really love talking about a kingdom perspective on finances. Okay? And I'll tell you why as we go along. Most people don't like talking about money. But it'll be different. I guarantee you, you've not heard this before. Now why do I say that? Because... I've been around long enough that no matter what I preach on, most people have heard a sermon or two or ten or fifty on that. And so what happens is that we say we're going to talk about the king of perspective on finances and you go through your little card file and your, uh, sorry, that was a past generation. You go through your hard drive, your memory. <laughs> I gave away my age, didn't I? And you say, okay, I've heard this before. I know what he's going to say. And let me tell you, I don't think you do. But more than anything, it's the Holy Spirit who wants to speak to us. So I want to ask you, are you expecting to be changed because of the truth this evening? See, normally we just come and say, oh, well, I hope it's a good sermon and it's a little bit entertaining. Because I'm sure I've heard it before. But I want to ask you, are you expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Why don't we pray that way? Okay? Why don't you pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to you? And open your heart and you'll receive according to your faith. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're present. Thank you that you're the one who leads us into all truth. And the truth sets us free. Lord, even as we've prayed earlier... We just thank you that you delight to show yourself faithful. Lord, we just uh, stand against any spirit of fear, deception, the uh, spirit of mammon that permeates our culture. And we say we want to hear your perspective on your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you know that God is lavishly generous? He's faithful. He wants us to live abundantly. But so many of us don't live that way. You ever ask yourself, if God's that way, then how come I'm not living in that? I'm glad you asked. I want to tell you this evening, part of it. Okay? A kingdom perspective on money. In the year 2000, Mary and I were living in Melbourne, Australia. We had planted a church the beginning of 1997, so we were about two and a half years in. And the guy who is leading the uh, translocal team that we relate to, that we're now a part of, Dudley Daniel, came and visited our church. And he had a prophetic word for us. And he said, Russ and Mary, you guys need to be involved in the nations again. And I'm thinking, but we're Americans. We're planning in Australia. This is the nations for us. (laughs) And we're planning a church. We have absolutely no money. But we knew that God was saying something. That was 13 years ago. In those 13 years, before I get to that, 
because we felt like God was saying something, we prayed. And God spoke to us from uh, Ezra chapter 6, verse 4. Let the expenses be paid from the king's treasury. We said, okay, God, we have nothing, but... <laughs> no, it was only the uh, let the expenses be paid from the king's treasury part. I don't know about the heavy stones part. In, thir- in the 13 years since then, together we have made 40 international trips and dozens of local and domestic trips and never had any money. Except that God said he would pay for it out of the king's treasury. He is a lavish God. Matthew 4.17, when Jesus began his ministry, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent in that day literally meant think differently. Okay, it means turn, but it literally meant think differently. It didn't have 2,000 years of church history of turning from sin and turning to God. It literally meant think differently. So Jesus was saying, the kingdom functions different than the world, so you have to think differently to be part of the kingdom. So I want to talk to you about a kingdom perspective on finances. I'm going to give you four major points this evening. For those of you who have places to take notes or iPads or phones or something, uh, you'll want to do that because I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. I'm going to teach. I'm not just going to preach because I want you to understand God's perspective. First thing I want to share with you this evening is God's pattern or God's ways of doing things releases His glory. Okay? In Ezekiel chapter 40. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to run through it real quick. But it says in verse 16, And Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. So he did. Moses was building the tabernacle, but he built it as God commanded him. God gave him the pattern. It says in 19, uh, As the Lord had commanded Moses. 21, as the Lord had commanded Moses. 23, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Everything he did, he did as the Lord had commanded. 26, I mean 25, 27, 29. It's like every other odd verse. As the Lord had commanded Moses, 32. And then in 33, he finished the work. And the cloud covered the tabernacle of meaning. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. He didn't just say, make me a tabernacle. He said, make it this way. Why? Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5 tells us, who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern of Shown you on the mountain. God has a way of doing things that releases His glory. In case you, you think that's just one scripture, if you look at uh, 1 Chronicles 28, I'm not going to go there, but 11, 12, and 19, God gave the pattern for the temple to David, who didn't build the temple, but He gave the instructions that He received by the Spirit to Solomon who built the temple according to that pattern. And what happened? Second Chronicles 6 and 7, And the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, filled the temple, and the priests weren't able to stand. 
In 1 Chronicles 13, David had this great idea. Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. But they didn't know how to do it. So you know the story. They, they put the Ark on a cart and they pull it by oxen. And one of the guys walking along sees the oxen stumble and the, the Ark start to shake as if it was going to fall. He puts his hand up as if God needed help to uh, steady it and he falls down dead. And David gets angry. You know, he's doing everything right. They're in unity. They're in worship. They've, they've sacrificed. But still, the guy died. 1 Chronicles chapter 15 says this. So David brings it back and he puts it on poles carried by the priests. I could preach a whole hour on that, but we won't. Verse 13, For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult Him about the proper order or the right pattern. Doing things God's way releases His glory. Doing things man's way doesn't. It's that simple. We can't do better than God's way. There's a reason for what he says, even if we don't understand it. That tabernacle was a copy of something in heaven. We don't understand that. We will someday. But Moses didn't have to understand that. He just had to do what God told him. And in faith he did, and God poured out his blessing. God's ways are not earning his favor. Doing things God's ways is not legalism. It's not earning His favor. But it's Him letting us know how the kingdom functions. When our kids were little, we taught them about gravity. If you jump off the top bunk of the bunk bed, you hit the floor. (laughs) Not because by not jumping off the bunk beds they were going to earn our favor, but we just wanted them to know how the world works. If you touch the hot stove, it will burn your finger. It's not trying to bring a legalism. It's just saying this is how things function. So God has a way in His kingdom that He's wanting us to know this is how it functions. God's ways, God's pattern is kingdom focused. It's about the kingdom. It's not me focused. It's not about me. Colossians said that all creation was made through Christ and for Christ. We were made for Him. He wasn't made for us. It's not about me. Tell the person next to you, it's not about me. Don't say it's not about you. Some of you are saying it's not about you. (laughs) Say it's not about me. God's kingdom is not just about us. Yet, our culture, the world we live in, and our upbringing makes everything about us. A number of years ago, we were part of a church in California before we moved to Australia. So this is quite a few years ago. And uh, the business administrator came to me one day and said, do you guys have a need or something? Have you been praying? And I went, I have no idea. She said, well, somebody gave $1,000 in the offering. I said, well, let me ask my wife. 
I said, have you been praying for something? She said, yeah, we've got these friends who are coming who are missionaries. And I've been asking God to give me $100 so that we could give them, so that she could get some clothes. Okay? Now, back in those days, missionaries tended to not worry about fashion, and so they lived overseas. And you could always tell a missionary because they were wearing old, outdated clothes. And so my wife, her concern for this lady was, God, would you give me $100 that I can give to her? And so God didn't give us 100 He gave us 1000 Why? He's, he's lavishly generous. But the issue is, He's lavishly generous when we're seeking first His kingdom. Too often we're, we think He is the, the genie in the bottle that if we rub it right, then we'll get our three wishes. You've heard it said that we're blessed to be a blessing. And I want to change that. I want to tell you that while you're a blessing, the byproduct is that you're blessed. See, too often we think, I'm blessed to be a blessing. If God will bless me, then I'll give the crumbs to, to somebody and that'll be a blessing. If I had a million dollars, of course I would give my 10%. Got real quiet. (laughs) While we are a blessing, we're blessed. God wants to release kingdom resources through us. And the byproduct, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. He doesn't say, seek these things and, and when you have a little bit left over, give it to the kingdom. See, that's selfishness. And too often the church has bought into that and we've been taught, just be selfish and just give God a little bit. It's about the kingdom. First point. God's pattern always releases God's glory. You can't do better than God's ways. You know the story. God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Didn't happen for a long time. So Abraham thought he could do better. Instead of God giving him a son, he was going to make something happen. What You know the story. He took his wife's maid, had a son named Ishmael. And there has been thousands of years of enmity because of that one decision. You can't do better than God's ways. Okay, second point. We might even finish tonight. (laughs) Second point, God is our source. When we're part of the kingdom and living for Him, He is our source. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. This is one of the most important parts because if you don't get this, nothing else I say this evening will make any sense. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 26. It doesn't work well when you turn to Mark. I want you to know that uh, I have a very early version iPad (laughs) with no backlight. I have to actually turn the pages instead of (laughs) flip. Matthew uh, chapter 6, from verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, 
What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, he's not saying you don't need food or clothing. He's not saying go around hungry and naked. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a statute? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? That expression right there, I wish I could talk to you for about a half an hour. That expression is that it doesn't mean not having faith. That's a different word in the Greek. It's little faith. It's undeveloped faith. And, and it occurs five times in the New Testament. And it's actually only able to see what is natural. Or you have little faith. Basically, he's saying, if you don't see that God's your source, you're going to be worried. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's our source. One more. First Chronicles. Just so you know that it's not just that one scripture. Chapter 29 from verse 14. David's collecting an offering to build the temple. And he says this, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you. And of your own we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you as were our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow without hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. It's all God's. He's our source. He uses different means by which He provides. Different avenues. But the means or the avenue is not the source. He says, you should work. So you get a job and you work and that provides. The danger is that you begin to see your job as your source rather than God as your source. The problem is, if you think your job is your source, then you'll do whatever it takes to keep the job because if you don't have it, you have nothing. But if God's your source, you don't have to compromise to keep that job because God will provide some other way. So you've got to get this. God's our source. Let me ask you, is God your source? See, the world says there's a limited amount of resources. That's what the very study of economics is about. There's a limited amount of resources. Therefore, you need to grab what you can and hold on to it. Some people have and some don't, and it's a whole lot better to have than not. 
And so, because there's a limited amount of resources, you better grab. But the kingdom says, if God's our source, there is an unlimited amount of resources. How come most of us don't live in that? I want to tell you, because we haven't been doing it God's way. There's a number of stories in the Bible, and I'm convinced they're only there to show us that God's our source. The, uh, the woman who uh, was a widow ran out of, was going to get sold into slavery and the prophet said to her, what do you have? She said, I have a little bit of oil. I said, go gather all the jars you can and she poured her little bit of oil in the jars and it just kept pouring. What happened? She had a limited amount of resource but God, but that wasn't her source. That was the means by which God provided Story of 5,000 people out in the wilderness following Jesus and it comes the end of the day and they're hungry and the disciples said, Lord, they, they're hungry. Give them something to eat. And he says, you feed them. And they went, but if we had a whole year's worth of income, we couldn't feed these guys. He said, well, what do you have? Five loaves and two fish. Limited amount of resource. But that's not the source. What do you have in your bank account? Limited amount of resource? I guarantee you it's a limited amount of resource. And for some of you, like John, it's less than it was the day before yesterday. Okay? You have a limited amount. But if that's your source, then you're going to be worried and anxious. But God's your source. The problem is, that God doesn't usually multiply what we have until we're releasing resources into the kingdom. The little kid with the five loaves and two fishes didn't come up and say, Look, I've got hundreds of loaves! He brought what little he had. If you read the story carefully, Jesus took what he had and he just thanked God. That's all he did. And then he gave it to his disciples. He broke it and gave it to the disciples. And the disciples, while they were passing it out, it multiplied. It didn't multiply in Jesus' hand. It multiplied when they were actually distributing it for the sake of the... How many of us are saying, God, multiply what I have, please? And I'll be happy to give a little bit of it. If you multiply what I had, if my bank account suddenly had millions of dollars, I'd give some. God says, no, give what you have. Because I'm your source, and that limited resource isn't. Let's see what I can do. God's our source. You have to understand that. Say that. God's my source. Okay? Say to the person next to you, God's my source. My bank account's not my source. My job's not my source, or my lack of job is not my source. The business I just started is not my source. God's my source. Okay, third third point. Turn with me to uh, Malachi. Which is the last book in the Old Testament. So if you don't know where to go, go to Matthew and then go backwards a couple pages. Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 8. Most of you have read this before, but don't go to your hard drive memory and say, oh, I know what he's going to say. 
chapter 3 from verse 8. He says, Will a man rob God? That's a pretty heavy-duty statement. Yet you have robbed me. And you say, In what way have we robbed you? Now, if you're sitting here, God's saying, You've robbed me. And you're going, How have I robbed you? It's not a good thing to rob God. He's the source of all things. He says, In tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of heaven, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. And all nations will call you blessed. Okay? A couple of thoughts. The tithe, giving the tithe, protects what we have. God rebukes the devourer. Now, understand this. Tithing is not giving. Because God says that's His. He doesn't say give your tithe. He says bring your tithe. Because He's saying the tithe is mine and if you don't give it, you're actually robbing me. That's a pretty heavy duty thought. Think about that. Why does He say that? Because when we bring the tithe, we're acknowledging that God is the source of everything I have. God is the source, and this belongs to Him. He said it belongs to Him. Uh oh. He did. You did. Bringing our tithe reminds us that He's our source. To withhold it is robbing God. That's what He says. Bring the tithe, not give the tithe. But when we do, it releases God's hand to protect what we have. Because we're acknowledging that He's the source. And so He rebukes the devourer. That's how you can live better on 90% than on 100%. A lot of people say, I can't afford to tithe. Guys, understand, God's pattern is for our good. He says, do it this way, let me be your source. I will rebuke the devourer and you'll have more with 90% in the kingdom than you would have with 100% outside of God's pattern. That's why I love to talk about money. It's not about you giving to the church. We're not, we're not here to, to talk about raising money for the church or we're not taking an offering. Relax. Your wallet's safe tonight. <laughs> but we're talking about understanding truth, God's way, that He can be lavishly generous toward us. God wants to pour out Abundance. He says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. That's wonderful, isn't it?
What's a tithe? Tithe is a word that means 10%. That's all it is. Very simple. See, when we talk about giving, we have this idea that we'll just give anything. We're going to talk about giving in just a, a little bit. But you can't get to giving until you understand this part first. Okay? He says, bring the tithe to the storehouse. What's the storehouse? Contrary to what you've been taught, the storehouse is not where you were fed. You're going, what? Okay, the storehouse, every village, they had the priests. If you read in Nehemiah, they brought the tithe, which was often produce, and it came to the village where they lived, and it came to the priests. And it was for their sustenance. People never ate from that storehouse. It would be today like bringing it to your local church and it going into the bank. Okay? It's real simple. The problem is that some of the teaching of the past is give where you've, where you've been fed. And now we have internet and television and, and all kinds of stuff and people are taking their tithe and they're sending it off someplace because they heard some guy and, and they got blessed and fed and they say, oh, that's where I should give. That's not what it says. The storehouse is where you live. The village that you live. They didn't send it to another village. They brought it to where they lived. Where God had added them. See, Acts says that God sets the the uh, time and the place in which we live. Holy Spirit asks the church. If you're part of this church, it's because the Holy Spirit adds you to this church. So where do you bring your tithe? You bring it into the local church. You don't send it somewhere else. Had a friend in Australia. He was shocked when he understood that tithe means 10%. I don't know what he thought it meant. Uh, and, you know, he was, he thought he was very generous. He worked in construction and every once in a while, you know, he would throw in $500 in the offering or even $1,000. And uh, then he saw this and someone told him and he realized, oh, Bringing the tithe is 10%. And he added up how much he'd given, and it was like 4%. And he went, oh my God, I've been robbing God! And I thought I was so generous. See, the tithe's not ours. It's his. We don't have the option of not paying our taxes. We end up going to jail. In the kingdom, if we don't live God's way, we end up not experiencing His glory and His blessing. You still with me? Some people have said to me, tithing's not in the New Testament. Tithing's Old Testament, it's law. New Testament's grace. Let me tell you, God said the tithe belongs to Him. And He never said it doesn't. In fact, tithing is in the New Testament. For those of you who'd like to uh, see that, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 of Matthew chapter 23, Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He says this, just in case this was an issue for you, I know it's not, but what do you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for 
you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. What did Jesus say? He said, you're paying a part of the tithe, but not all of it. In fact, in Matthew 5, verse 17 to 20, Jesus says this, Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, Till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by any means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven. It just means you're going to be least. But whoever does and teaches these, he shall be called great. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. People who say to me, tithing isn't in the New Testament, we're under grace. I say, yes, we are. And technically, everything you have now belongs to God, not just 10%. Oh, I don't like that part. But see, that's really what it is. We're here. I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own. It's not about me. I'm part of His kingdom. You're still there. Have you fallen asleep yet? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Third major point. Isn't this fun? Huh? Tithing protects. Was that our third major point? Yes, it was. Sorry. God's pattern releases God's glory. God is our source. Tithing protects. And the fourth major point, I said. (laughs) How come my wife is the only one who caught that? (laughs) You could start reading in uh, in 2 Corinthians 8. But for the sake of time, we're only going to go to uh, chapter 9 and start with verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving. What is the third, fourth point is that tithe protects, offerings provide. He's talking about giving. He's not talking about tithing because tithing is not giving. Tithing belongs to God. So he's talking about something else. And he's talking about give whatever your heart desires. But God says very clearly, tithing is 10% and it belongs to him. So he's talking about something else. He's talking about offerings. Tithe protects, offerings provide. Offerings, tithe is saying, everything I have has come from God. An offering 
which is sowing seeds, says everything I will have comes from God. So I can sow seed. And when I do, He makes it abound. The good thing is that He actually supplies the seed to sow. Isn't that amazing? And then then He multiplies it. Why? Why does God in His kingdom have this way of functioning, this pattern, by which He says, everything I that you have comes from me. Now I'm going to ask you to give me 10% and then I'm going to ask you to sow for the future. Why doesn't he just do it? Because we're in partnership with him and he wants us to realize that he is our source. The problem we face is that we see the natural and we see the economy. We see the government. We see the taxes. We see the, the unemployment rates. And we see the natural and we begin to take on the spirit of the world which says there's a limited amount. I better hang on to what I have. Just the opposite. He gives seed to sow. As I said earlier, we lived in Australia. We were leading the church. And God spoke to us through a long process about going to Thailand and taking our family. Our boys were uh, 15, 17, and 19, somewhere around there. They're about two years apart. So, Huh? Yeah, something, something like that. Eric was 15 at the time. And I got that our family together. I said to the boys, you know, I feel like God said this, that we're, we're to go to Thailand. We're going to take a team. I want you to believe God for your... You're the cost. I said, I don't have the money. And so you can't just expect me to pay for you. So our oldest son was 19, was working. And uh, he saved up his money and he did well. And our second son was in his last year of high school. And he prayed and said, God, I can't work and do high school at the same time. And so if you want me to go, you have to provide. Within two weeks at the most, somebody paid for his way to go. Our youngest son was 13, sorry, 15 at the time. And he worked a little bit and he saved some money and, and, uh, he ended up with about $300. He came to me the week before we needed the airfare, which was $1,249. That's an important figure. He came to me with $300 and said, Dad, I have $300. Uh, what do I do? And I said, Bud, you better go pray. Cause I have no idea. I don't have any money. And uh, we're still believing God for ours. So he goes away and prays and comes back an hour later and says he heard God say to give away the 300 he had. And I went, you're not going to get there on 300 anyway, so you might as well obey God, right? (laughs) It's not like you're losing out. And so he gave his 300 to someone else he was going, which put them over the top so they had the money for their airfare. And just said, okay, I'll do what God said. The next day, we get a letter from some friends in the States that had taken six months to reach us because it went to South America before going to Australia. And in it is a check that with the exchange rate came out to be $1,249. 
Hadn't heard from these folks in years. They had sent it six months before. God loves to show Himself faithful. But it took our son being... What, what, what would have happened had he not been obedient? He wouldn't have gone to Thailand with us. Okay, God has a pattern for a reason. He wants us to walk in relationship with Him. He is not a genie that serves our needs. We serve His. I was just talking to someone day before yesterday in the gym that we go to. She was telling us, we got talking about money. She's a Christian. Now part of our church. I don't even know what church she goes to. My wife might. She's not involved in ministry. Retired. She and her husband are retired. She was telling me that in the last two years, they've given away 23% of their income and tithes and offerings. And they have no debt at all. Now you would think that's great. They must have been wealthy. He lost his job years before he retired. And they saw God provide miraculously. God can do that. His way releases His glory. See, the kingdom is different. Too often when things get tight, if we think the way of the world, we think there's a limited amount of resources, we better hang on to what we have. When things get tight, we quit giving. In the kingdom, it's just the opposite. We sow our way out of famine. God says to Isaac in Genesis 26, don't go down to Egypt. Sow in famine. And in that year, in famine, he reaps a hundredfold. Why? Because the natural is not the source. God is. And He can make crops grow in famine. He can make your business prosper in bad economic times. He can give you supernatural kingdom-oriented business ideas when our commitment is for His kingdom's sake. I had a friend who was a mechanic. Years ago. This is years and years ago. He was doing something. I don't know exactly what because I'm not a mechanic. He was rebuilding something in a carburetor and it didn't work. And it, he did it twice and it didn't work. And he finally got frustrated and prayed. And he had this picture of a spring. And he went, no, nah, no, nah, that's not it. That's, that's just uh, because I know that I fixed that. And uh, But that stayed with him. And he had prayed. So he figured out, oh, well, what do I got to lose? So he took the carburetor apart, if it was a carburetor. I think it was and found the spring and it was actually broken in half it was in the right spot but it was broken so it didn't work pulled it out put a new one in and it worked fine does God care about a spring and a carburetor no but he cares about this man's business because he was living for the king maybe he does care about the spring and the carburetor okay I don't want to misrepresent him (laughs) it wasn't about the spring it was about the the business. See, you don't you sow your way out of famine, and that takes faith, and that's what my son did. Now I could tell you hundreds of stories of God's provision. Like I said, we made forty international trips. The first one we made after D- Dudley spoke to us, he invited us to come to the states. We're living in Australia. Come to the states for some translocal training, and we said, God, you said out of the king's treasury 
somebody, a couple weeks later, came to us and said, we've had some money for a trip that we can't take, and God said to give it to you. And so we had our airfare. We booked our, our flight to come to the States for three weeks. We arrived in the States with $50 Australian, which at that time, with the exchange rate and the commission to change it into U.S. money, we had $18. Three weeks. We're here for three weeks. 18 bucks. Leading a church that doesn't pay me a salary. I'm working. So not only am I here without any money, I'm not getting paid. Sounds crazy, huh? It was. My wife is going... first thing that happened is some friends of ours who lead a church we went to stay with them when we got here and they said look tomorrow we're going shopping and we're thinking "Mm, it's going to be a real short trip (laughs) we have $18 and uh, we kind of went okay if that's really what you got they said no no you don't understand we are taking you shopping and we're going to buy anything you want everything you want as a church we decided when you come we're going to bless you so we went shopping and they spent about $1,200. Clothes and shoes and stuff to take back for our kids. And we had 18 bucks. And then I preached in that church and they gave us a huge offering. And then we went and stayed with some other friends and they said, you know, we were going to send you a check about three months ago, but we just forgot. And then we knew a few weeks ago you were coming, so we just kept it and here it is. And that happened. We never said a thing. But after three weeks, not only did we have money to live while we were in the States, we took back enough money to pay all our bills. Why? Because when you seek first the kingdom, God is lavishly generous. So we could tell you tons of those. I believe there's one other step for some of you. We need to look beyond the economy and the government, and God's wanting to release resources for His kingdom through kingdom-minded people. God has plenty. The problem is, He's just looking for people He can trust to release His resources for His purpose. And unfortunately, when we're selfish, He can't trust us. Not give to get. But realizing everything we have comes from Him. Let me challenge you. There's some of you here. God's put something on your heart, your life, for releasing resources in the kingdom. And I want to break something off you. Your thought, your thinking is, if God blesses me, I will give my tithe. And God's not going to bless you with just that thinking. He wants you to be blessed and content and happy and then say, okay, I have enough. And then He can open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing through you. See, we read that. God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. And it's all for me. No, He'll open up the windows of heaven when He finds someone who will live His way According to his pattern, who he can trust, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing through you to bless others. 
But there comes a point where you say, okay, I have enough. God, thank you for what I have. While I'm a blessing, I'm also blessed. Not I'm blessed to give a little bit. God, I'm happy and content. I want to tell you, I've said this all over the place, I am the wealthiest person I've ever met. Don't have much money in the bank. Have a wonderful family, awesome wife. I've been following God's pattern most of my life have never missed a payment on anything ever in my life. For most of that time, just living by faith. God's faithful. Why? When we live according to His pattern, He pours out a blessing. More stories. No. See, kingdom wealth is much more than just money. It's relationships and contentment and peace and joy. Can I ask you, will you let God change your thinking? And maybe you haven't been living according to His pattern. He actually says this. Test me in this and see. Where else does God say that? In fact, when the Israelites tested him in the wilderness, he killed them. (laughs) I think I'd be a little bit hesitant to test God. But he says, test me in this. Test me and see if my pattern doesn't release my glory. And then for some of you, will you let God enlarge you in your thinking? I actually believe that there are people that God's wanting to release millions through for the kingdom's sake, but they will never be millionaires. See, we had someone come to our church years ago and say, there's there's five people in this church that God wants to make you a millionaire. There were 50 people whose hands went up. (laughs) Why? The idea was... God wants to make me a millionaire. Sure, I'll give my 10%. Guys, God doesn't want to make you a millionaire. He wants to make you content, but He wants to release millions through you for the kingdom. Will you change the way you think? The kingdom is at hand. Not the world, the kingdom. I know that you know this, but let me just close with this. If you live in America, if you have a place to sleep tonight, whether you own it or rent it, doesn't matter. If you drive a car, you are in the top 8% of the whole world already. See, we compare ourselves to the one half of 1% that has a lot, and we say, I'm poor. You have no clue what poor is. We are already the blessed of the blessed in the whole world just because we live in a country that's blessed. How much more when we understand God's ways? Would you bow your head for a second? I'm well aware that when we have time like this and then we 
dismiss and we go and we have fellowship and you might go eat or get your family. It's easy for the enemy to come and steal the word. Or the cares of the world choke it out and it never bears fruit. But if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you tonight and there's adjustment that needs to be made in your life, will you just set in your heart, Lord, I hear you and I'll do it. Okay? We're not going to take an offering. Okay? That's, that's not what this is about. It's something about revelation happening within us. There's something in God's heart that as we're releasing for His kingdom and He can trust us, He just keeps releasing more and more. I don't know where it comes from. I said to a friend the other day, he had given to a certain area of ministry. I don't want to get details because I've given away, but I know that he had given in that one thing alone over $10,000 in the last few months. And he went. He looked at me shocked and went, yeah. The question is, where did it come from? He had no clue. Why? He was the conduit, the means by which God was releasing. And then God can provide. God's not limited to your work. He's not limited to what you can see. And He's a lavishly generous God. If you're not living in that, it's because either you don't understand or haven't been walking in His pattern. Or you don't know Him at all and you're not part of His kingdom. See, He doesn't get behind what we do. We get behind what He does. When we're part of the kingdom, when we have the privilege of knowing the King and partnering with Him for what He's doing in the world, we're the most blessed people on the planet. I don't know you, but if you're here this evening and you don't know Him, let me tell you, it's dumb not to. Because He's the King of the universe. And we, if you don't know Him, we'd love to introduce you to Him this evening. That's where it all starts. The greatest treasure is knowing Jesus. That's the greatest treasure. So while our head's bowed, if you don't know Him and would like to, someone to introduce you to Him, if you just lift your hand so I can pray for you, but then we're going to have someone, have you pray with someone else. Again, I don't know all of you. But before we're dismissed, if God's speaking something in your heart and you're willing to respond to Him, before we're dismissed and get busy with other things, I'm going to ask you if you would just make an indication that you're hearing Him just by lifting your hand up and down. Not for me, but you're just saying, God, I hear what you're saying to me. And I choose to respond to you this evening. Yes, I ask that you would speak to me and change me. Enlarge me. Give me a vision for your kingdom. You don't have to hold it up. Just put it up and down. You're just responding and saying, Lord, I hear what you're saying to me. This isn't for me, guys. It's really, it's just, there's, I've learned that there's something of our responding to God that conceals something in our heart. 
that if we don't, we have every good intention, but we lose it in the cares of the world, which is what Jesus said. Lord, I thank you that you put a candlestick in this place for this church to represent you and your kingdom here. Father, thank you for the vision that you have that they are submitted to your vision for your church. Lord, I thank you that you are pouring out your presence and your favor and your blessing upon these people. And Father, that you are extravagantly lavish You're gracious and generous, and we just thank you. Father, we stand humbled and amazed at the privilege of being a part of what you're doing and seeing your hand released. Father, I just am continually in awe of where Mary and I have got to travel and how you provide every single time. I believe that there's people here that have something of a translocal call and anointing on their life that you're going to release resources. Not in advance. When I think about the literally hundreds of thousands of dollars and I've never had more than a few hundred in my bank account. You didn't give it to us beforehand, but you release it as is needed. Father, help us again to look beyond the natural and to see the faithful King. We, look, we lift our eyes and fix them on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the captain of our salvation, the leader of our soul. We submit to you and we say once again, not my will, but yours. Not my kingdom, but yours. Lord, we live to exalt you and honor you as we were singing earlier this evening. And we thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name.